0: celebrate their feasts and so they they put a christian veneer over their old holiday so that they could continue to celebrate but rather than celebrating you know the uh, coming out of of the winter solstice now into the spring and the longer days and hours and more sun and and all of that and so it was that joy of cause of celebration well what what greater joy and what greater cause of celebration than than the birth of our savior And so, and so that, that took place, but we realized that, you know, in maturity, you don't, you don't throw the baby out with the bath water, right? I mean, just because it was a Christian veneer and just because it was, you know, something that was kind of tied in and it doesn't negate the fact that we have a savior. And, and so I went through all of the prophecies. Scholars say about 300 of them. I, I had 44 outlined. I maybe covered about 20 of them. But as you heard and noticed, to the T, Jesus Christ fulfilled every prophetic utterance in regards to the Messiah. Huh? I mean, there is, what, what's the, there is no mathematical probability. It'd be impossible. And yet this is what Jesus has done and so not only do we have the prophecies that that were in the old testament pointing towards the christ the savior the lamb of god that would take away the sins of the world but we also have prophetic utterances towards the last days in fact the and if, let me see who, who was paying attention how many prophecies are there in the old testament how many prophecies are there roughly approximately in the bible what makes the bible different than any of the other books what makes the Bible different than the Quran? What, what makes the Bible different than, than any other spiritual writings of antiquities? It's the prophecies. Prophecies, right? God is the one that says, I will tell you the end is the beginning and the beginning is the end. So his signature upon the Bible as you read the Bible are all the prophetic utterances of God declaring what's going to happen seven, eight hundred thousand years before it actually happened. And so, out of the prophecies, there's about 2,500, 2,500 prophecies in scriptures, utterances. And out of all of those, you know how many are fulfilled? How many been fulfilled in the Bible? Over 2,000 of them. Over 2,000 prophetic utterances fulfilled to the T. And so now we know that we've got about 400, close to 500 prophecies of things that yet to be fulfilled. And so when I left you off, I promised you that I was going to share with you some prophecies that have just been fulfilled within our age. See, family, because as we're preparing to celebrate Christmas and the birth of Jesus, right, his first coming, I want us as a church to also be prepared for his second coming. We need to be alert and aware of the times and the seasons that we're living in. So last week we had Jesus is the Christ, our Messiah, who came to set the captives free. He is the fulfillment of prophetic utterances from the past, declaring events to come in the future. I want to share with you now some scriptures that scholars are looking at as fulfillment Of prophecies from ancient of days when Israel became an independent, united nation for the second time in all of history. And for the first time in 2,900 years. Now I'm just going to share a few of these. Just so you know, this is just notes. All right. This isn't the message I'm preaching because God gave me a word for this morning. So I want to get to that word. But I, at the same time, I want to fulfill my promise to you to give you these scriptures and so that you can see him because I know that you are Bible students. Amen. In Amos uh, chapter nine, verse 14 and 15. The prophet wrote, I will bring back my exiled people, Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruit. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord. Now, the prophet said that there would come a time when the exiles of Israel would again have Israel as their own land and that they would be up, they would never be uprooted again. Amos lived about 2,700 years ago during a time when the people of Israel were forced out of their homeland by a succession of foreign invasions. Despite many centuries of exile, many Jews returned to Israel and reclaimed sovereignty over a portion of their ancient homeland. This declaration of independence in 1948 triggered a war with the surrounding countries which objected to the presence of a Jewish state. On May 15th of 1948, the day that the armies of the surrounding countries invaded, Azam Pasha and the Secretary General of the Arab League said, this will be a war of extermination and a momentous massacre, which will be spoken of like the Mongolian massacres and the Crusades. Similar quotes were uttered by others during the war of 1948 and 1949 and during the two major wars that followed and despite its tiny size israel prevailed in these wars preventing its people from being uprooted again and they have been in ancient times ezekiel 37 10 to 14 many people i mean we sing the songs israel will be brought back to life and so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up to their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I am going to open up your graves and bring up, bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. The prophet receives a vision in which Israel was seen as scattering of dried bones in a valley. In this vision, God tells Ezekiel that the bones of Israel would be brought back to life, just as Ezekiel had prophesied about 2,600 years ago. The Jews were brought back to the land, and the country of Israel was brought back to life. Israel reestablished sovereignty in 1948, a mere three years after the end of the Holocaust. During which Nazis killed about one third of the world's Jewish population. Whew. Check this one out, Isaiah. Isaiah, what was you taking it on? Isaiah 66:7 and 8. Isaiah spoke of Israel being born in one day. Check this out. Before she goes into labor, she gives birth. Before the pains come upon her, she delivers a son. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Who has ever seen such things? Can a country be born in a day or a nation be brought forth in a moment? Yet no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. The prophet foreshadowed the rebirth of Israel in 1948. Isaiah describes a woman giving birth before going into labor and he speaks of a country being born in one day. This accurately describes what happened on May 14th, 1948 when the Jews declared independence for Israel as a united and sovereign nation for the first time in 2,900 years. During that time, the United States issued a statement recognizing Israel's sovereignty and Only hours beforehand, a United Nations mandate expired, ending British control of the land. During a 24-hour span of time, foreign control of the land of Israel had formally ceased, and Israel had declared its independence, and its independence was acknowledged by other nations. Modern Israel was literally born in a single day. Isaiah said the birth would take place before there would be labor pains. And that too was precisely what happened. A movement called Zionism began in the 1800s to encourage Jews worldwide to move to Israel, which at the time was called Palestine. Within hours of the Declaration of Independence in 1948, Israel was attacked by the surrounding countries of Egypt, Jordan, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq, and Saudi Arabia. When reading Isaiah 66, 7, and 8, keep in mind that Israel's status as a sovereign nation was established and reaffirmed during the course of a single day, and that it was born of a movement called Zionism, and that the Declaration of Independence was not the result of a war, but rather the cause of one. Israel would be established as a united nation, and the prophet said to God, would one day bring the people of Israel back to Israel. This might have been a shock for Ezekiel who lived 2,600 years ago. At the time, the people of Israel had already divided themselves into two separate kingdoms and both the kingdoms had been conquered by foreign invaders who forced many of the people, including Ezekiel, into exile. But when Jews reclaimed sovereignty in 1948, they did so as a united people creating one nation. Last but not least, I'll share this one with you. This one, this one was was was. I mean, it was just powerful. Israel's army would be dis, um, disproportionately powerful. Leviticus chapter twenty six, seven and eight. If you follow my decrees and are careful to obey my commands, you will pursue your enemies and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred and a hundred of you will chase 10,000 and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. The Bible says that the army of Israel would have a supernatural power to prevail during times of conflict. If the people are obedient to the Lord, come on family, if we are obedient to the Lord, this Bible passage says that five people would be able to chase away a hundred people and that a hundred would be able to chase away 10,000. Is there any proof of this incredible claim? Can we prove this? Well, let's judge for ourselves. Example one, within hours of Israel's declaration of independence in 48, Egypt, Syria, Jordan, Iraq, and Lebanon invaded. The combined population of these countries was at least 20 million at the time. Israel had fewer than a million Jews. Even so, the Jews won the war and expanded the size of Israel by 50%. Not only did they win the war, but they took territory back. Come on. Example number two, during the war of 1967, Israel attacked the air force bases of the surrounding countries and took control of Jerusalem for the first time in about 2,000 years. They also seized additional territory. That war lasted a mere six days, known as the Six-Day War. Example number three, on October 6, 1973, it's a great year. Israel was attacked by Egypt and Syria. Other countries later joined that attack but the Jews were able to push back the attacking armies and occupy land outside of their own borders again. If God be before you, family, who can be against you? Come on. If we trust in the Lord and then we move, regardless of what the opposition will, regardless of how impossible it may appear to us, We cannot look upon the circumstances, but we've got to look upon our God. We have to know that he is able to do what man cannot do. And one word from heaven can change everything. In 1953, Egypt will no longer have kings, the Suez Crisis. That was prophesied in Zechariah 10:9 and 11. Daniel 5, uh, 1967 war will occur on the date predicted, as in Daniel 5. And if you counted out the days, it happened in 1967, precisely within the mat- mathematical computations. Five Egyptian cities will be conquered by the Israelis, Isaiah 19:16 and 18. Jordaniel will give up the West Bank, uh, spoken of in Zechariah 12.6. The West Bank Jews will go home. Back to Jerusalem. Zechariah 12.6. All of this fulfilled in 1967. Israel will control Ashad. As as described in Zechariah 9. That took place in 1968. Yom Kippur War will occur. Micah 5.5. 5. Jerusalem will be a burden to all the other nations. Zechariah 12.2. All of these fulfilled in 1973. And just, just maybe 18 years ago in the year 2000, cities will be restored and Israel will have a non-Jewish farmers. Isaiah 61 and Zephaniah chapter 2 fulfilled. Jerusalem will grow beyond its old walls as we just described they not only fought the war but they reclaimed territory Jer- uh, land of Israel will be divided by its rivers and the Muslims in Isaiah 18 one and 7 forests will uh, reappear in Israel the cedars and, and of Lebanon will will rise back up all being fulfilled as we speak desolate lands and cities will be restored there is a construction in Israel right now like no other as they Rebuilding their land. Israel will inherit the remnant of Edom and the Palestinians as as spoken in Amos 900 years BC. Did you know that in 2004 the Sanhedrin was reestablished? The Sanhedrin, the the high priest, that there are priests now uh, uh, practicing and and going through the old forms of temple worship. That that, That happened in 2004. They're rebuilding the temple furnitures. we're, We're coming into these days of prophetic fulfillment that we're living in right now. People, like right now, God is fulfilling His word before our eyes. My God, our King is near. So as we get ready to celebrate our Savior's first coming, as we visit the manger and a baby that was born for our salvation. Let us focus on and look forward to our king's second return. Not as a baby in a manger, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world, but as our conquering king, the Messiah, who will judge the nations and deliver his own. Hallelujah. So that's a little intro. <laughs> Let's um I got a video for you um, as we switch gears and get into the word thousands of years ago, a prophecy was given. It foretold the coming of the one sent from God in the image of man to take away the sin of all mankind. The prophecy is being fulfilled. Many tried to prevent his birth. Tell me where he is so I may worship him. Whatever an takes. They knew he would forever change history, the future, and eternity. This Christmas, we do not just celebrate a babe. We celebrate the King of Kings. Lord, Jesus Christ, Messiah, forever and ever. Amen. I just thought that was a really cool video to do the transition because it speaks of exactly what the Lord has been placing upon my heart. Amen. Uh, and, and I'll just take one, one other opportunity because um, I won't speak about it next week. Um, so next week is Christmas and we're going to be cel- celebrating our Christmas Eve service at our regular 10 a.m. service time. And so I think there's a, a a program that the children are working on. I don't know. I'm just the pastor, so I'm trying to figure out what they're doing. But apparently, it's going to be a special service, and so I'm expecting, you know, not only invitations. People, hey, why don't you, you know, it's Christmas. Why don't you come to church? You know, hey, you know, what a great opportunity to extend an invitation, right? And and, and I'm sure that we're probably going to have a lot of creasters. You know what creasters are? Yeah, the people that only come to church at Christmas and Easter. So, so, so I'm, I'm assuming that we're going to have a lot of Christers next week. Um, and so, and so I, I won't mention this. This is for you, the body. Um, we're going to be preparing for a fast, a 21-day fast in January. Um, so we as a corporate body... Um, I want to encourage us to as somehow, and I'll speak a little bit about it you know, the week before. Um, the different types of fasting, what to be careful for, those that take medication, food, different types of fasts that we can do. But certainly, we want to be able to deny ourselves something that our body craves, right? To put it into subjection so that we know that who's in control, the spirit man, not the flesh and so it's a time of recalibration fasting it it puts things back into their perspectives and i'm looking forward to that cuz i need i need a soul detox i need i need to get myself back in in alignment and and i'll be transparent in regards to saying that um and so uh i, I won't say next week because if i start telling people next week the creeds they come in they're like like you can't eat for 21 days what are you crazy i go back to that church <laughs> So, you know, this is for the mature body. We, we, we understand what fasting is and, and so I'll be teaching on it. I won't speak about it next week, but I want to mention it this morning so that you begin to kind of, you know, get your head in the game and prepare, um, and make plans as to how we're going to fast. Amen? All right. So, um, so I was at the dollar store. <laughs> Eunice was at the dollar store. <laughs> So there's a mom with a toddler and a teenager, right? And so they're going through the store and it's the busyness of, of, of the season and everything is crazy and nothing's in the shelf where it's supposed to be come on who knows like it's just you know it's the craziness of the season and 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 so the toddler is 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 in the cart and it whining and fussing and complaining and mom is trying to figure things out the teenager really isn't helping much and trying to figure all of this out and 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 the baby keeps going and wants these glow sticks and these glow sticks and you know so finally just to get the you know she had every intention of she was going to pay for him right so just to keep the child and calm him down she she grabs it Opens it up and says, fine, here, 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 here. And she gives the kid the glow stick, right? And so she opens up the package and gives him the glow stick. Now the kid turns around and, oh, he got what he wanted. He got the glow stick. And so he's there and he's laying in and playing with it and jiggling it around and calmed him right down. Right. So now she's focused back on the shelf and what she's buying and stuff like that. And all of a sudden she hears him fussing again. And she he started complaining and crying and fighting and sees the older brother grab the glow stick out of the kid's hand. So right before mom goes right in to interject. Right. What are you doing? No, go ahead. Un cocotazo. Right. Right before she goes in and and, and tells him that she sees that. Her older son, what he did was, he took it, broke it, and gave it back to his little brother. So now the little brother is, oh, oh, it's light, it's glowing, like it's just, and right then and there, the older brother said, I had to break it so we can function. Oh, come on now. I had to break it so it could function. How many of us in life, we go content, we were just going in and we think that this is it. We think that this is it and so we're living life and what? It, and and when God turns around and says, you know what, there's sometimes I have to allow a little breaking to take place in your life so that then you can begin to operate and function the way I designed you to function. But if you don't go through the breaking process, then I can't turn around and shine my light inside of you. Wow. I said, God, man, the amount of times that I've been broken before you. And every time that I've been broken, you've brought me into a better place. You made me just that much more Stronger. didn't realize the the, the the weight that this would cost. But as I look back in life and I see all of the knucklehead moves and all of the mistakes that I've made, or all, all, all of the bondage that I've been in, unless God would have allowed me to go through that and allowed a breaking process to take place, then we wouldn't be where we're at today. Allow God to bring you through the breaking process It has to happen Because if we avoid it If we dodge it Then we'll stay Always But inside of us will always be the potential To be his light Before you go today uh, I, I Make sure you stop by the hospitality because I'm giving you a glow stick. You're taking one with you. That's my sermon illustration. Let his light shine through you. Allow yourself to be broken. And sometimes you just have to break it to make it. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, break it to make it. You gotta break it to make it. Oh man. Here's 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 another here's another uh, uh um illustration the same exact illustration we're going to bring it right back into into Christmas in the second chapter the ninth verse of Matthew it's recorded in the gospel when they heard the king we're speaking about the magi's the wise guys the epiphany right when when they heard the king they departed and behold the star which they had seen in the east went before them Till it came and stood over where the young child was. That was the marking point. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. There's an emphasis there. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word, and we just pray right now that you would open up our ears and open up our hearts. Even as you provided this illustration this morning, I pray, God, that whatever brokenness we may carry, that you would utilize it, oh, Father God, to transform us into the creatures you created us to be. We ask this, oh, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. So who were these wise guys? Huh? Well, I mean, it wasn't like the Galati crew. I, I, I know some wise guys. <laughs> these weren't them. And and if we did a little study um, uh, around them, I we got I got to tell you that there's a lot of speculation in regards to the Magi's or the Magoi's, and in, in the Greek was the word that was translated to to speak of these three men and and we know that they came out of that babylonian persian empire that's that's where we have our historical writings that points back into this moment of time and we know that the Magi was associated with a priestly charge and associated with astrology they they studied the they weren't astronomers they were astrologists Okay, there's there's a difference when when you open up your horoscope, that's not that's not what 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 this is. And and I don't want to like, but you know, you got to be careful with those horoscopes. All right, because, the, you know, a lot of that comes 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 from witchcraft and Wicca. And that's not the astronomy of the study of the stars and the naming and the placings and knowing the celest uh, the celestations and, and and the seasons. And, and so that's that's different. Um, so I just want to say be careful with that. If you have any questions with its regard or you want, you know, uh, you know, just, you know, come and, and, and we'll talk about it a little bit. Amen. But the Iranian magi guy did not know magic at all. They weren't magicians. As many would try to, you know, uh, 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 speculate and or, you know, pitch that idea. That wasn't the case. The general use of the term Magos increasingly confounded the Iranian Magi with the conjurers of astrologers of, of, of the Chaldeans. And so this is a mysterious kind of group. And what runs through my mind is that who could have made this generational influence to wait through all of those generations waiting for the sign? These weren't Jews. Jews. They weren't Jewish. And they came from the Far East. How could they have possibly have heard of or known what to wait for and what to look for in regards to the time and the season of the birth of the Messiah? Because obviously they knew who he was. Going back to the late 6th century, thousands of captives from Judah the southern kingdom right uh, uh, israel was divided into two kingdoms the northern kingdom which was israel and the southern kingdom which, which was judah israel was taken captive first judah had a little bit more time but ultimately in the late 6th century they all they also were taken as captives um into into slavery between 605 and 582 bc and during that time, because there was cultural differences and language differences, right? I mean, the, the Babylonians, the Persians, they, they, they needed uh, administrative. They, they they took over a long, big area of territory. And so they selected for themselves four Jewish boys that you had decent appearance. They seemed pretty sharp and bright. And they began to train them. They began to train them. Uh, to do administrative stuff on behalf of their kingdom, to serve as liaisons between them and their slaves. I don't know if you've ever heard of Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, three Jewish boys. In fact, one of the things that they used to do in order to reprogram was that they would change their names. And so they changed them their names from the Jewish names to Persian names. And so they called them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three Jewish boys, along with Daniel, became an influence amongst their enemies. It doesn't matter where you're at, family. If you're standing for the Lord, God will turn around and utilize you, even amongst those who you think are your enemies. And the influence, the way they lived, the fact that they wouldn't bow knee, the fact that they had a certain level of character and integrity, they had a moral code by which they lived by, is the very reason why they were selected amongst all of the other slaves that turned unto other gods. It's believed that the influence of these young men who were slaves, prisoners, who served the living God, imparted to the Persians the prophecies of Yeshua. And so in their conversations, they were able to put them on. Yo, now this is what's going to happen. The reason why we're in this broken state, the reason why sin is so prevalent, the reason why man is so broken is because there's a sinful nature within it. But God has brought forth a plan that would eliminate that and set us free. And they influenced these Middle Easterns to the point where generationally it passed down. They took those teachings, they took those writings, they understood what Daniel Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what they were saying, and that influence transferred generationally two thousand years till the birth of Christ. And when these guys saw the star, and they saw the sign, and they knew the times and the seasons, they began to make their pilgrimage. The star is described as the guiding light. And the moment that they saw the star, it says that they were filled, not just with joy, it was exceeding joy. I don't know, how many of y'all spent some time waiting for something? Remember the last time when you had to wait for something? Maybe it was a job, you filled out the job application and sent in your resume and you're just ticked when they're going to call should I call back and this whole thing or or you're waiting for your report card to come in huh or or you know that in the near distant you have a vacation that's coming but yet you got to wait for it and tick tock tick tock -tock, that clock is just so long so slow just seems to take forever and for whatever reason sometimes things get delayed and then One day, you receive the fulfillment of your desires. How do you feel? That overwhelming joy, huh? Oh my God, I've been waiting for this for so long. You know, you finally get that letter in the mail with the news that you needed and you know you were waiting for it and you weren't sure what the turnout was going to be. But when it comes in and you receive it and it comes into your favor, the joy, hallelujah, this is what I've been waiting for. And so what the Bible says is that this is exactly what happened to these mad guys. Once they saw the star, the star was bringing forth the sign of what they were waiting for. For years and years and years, generation upon generation, they would tell the stories that these four Jewish boys imparted upon them. And then finally, one day, it came to life, and the star gave them the signs. time. It's time. It's time. And so when they when they came in and, and they saw the baby, right? The star led them to where the baby was. The star was the cause of the exceeding joy. But when they saw the baby, it was the cause of them falling down. Falling down before the child, before the Messiah. And the Bible says that they worshipped him. You know, the Greek word... That says they fell down is, is a rare word that's not really utilized too often. And, uh, it gives us a visual to come in the presence of purity and holiness. It caused these men, like if you were to pick up a vase and hold it over your head and slam it down where it would shatter and break. That's what the Greek word here signifies. These men didn't just very slowly and humbly. I mean, that seemed very majestic, right? I mean, that was very holy. But, But what the Bible says is that when they came into the presence of this child and they recognized that they were in holy. In the presence of holiness that this child was conceived by the virgin without sin was blameless. And them, they, so, so sinful, so full of shame and guilt, they turn around and they violently fell before the Lord. The Bible says that they were broken. They broke before this baby. And I gotta tell you, family, there's so many of us. We want to come to his presence and we want to come based upon our own efforts. Well, I'm a good man. I, 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 I sow seed. I, 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 I help my neighbors and, and, and I don't cuss. None of that means anything. Because even in our righteousness, the Bible says they're filthy rags before a holy God. There is nothing that we can ever do to be able to gain and earn God's entrustment into his kingdom. That, that he would grant us not only the entrance, but give us the privilege of being ambassadors and representatives to allow his light to shine inside of us. But when we approach that child, we've got to be broken. We have to allow every uh, 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 um, uh, confidence that we have within ourselves to be shattered before our king. Because it's then in our brokenness that he's able to bring forth the forgiveness. Remember, repentance repentance leads us unto salvation godly sorrow leadeth unto repentance you know what godly sorrow is it's a brokenness before god i'm a sinful man i've i've rebelled against your kingdom i've rebelled against my people i've rebelled oh god and i need you i need you to make me whole and this is what the offer is for us today right now would you allow yourself to be broken before God and allow him to allow his shine his light to shine within you amen would you stand with me this morning